Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Frickin' Aaron Wiseman. And I am talking today with one of my fellow masterminders, Angela Masinic, about over drinking. Gosh, I love these taboo topics. And she brings some great, great nuggets of knowledge in with us today. But before we hop into that conversation, I got to pay a few bills. I want to share a great opportunity with you from my friend Jimmy Turner over at the Physician Philosopher. This is for all the physicians out there who are trying to find balance but are overwhelmed by the daily to-do list and all the responsibilities as partner, parents, and physician. Or maybe you're doing okay, but you want to be doing great. Does that sound like you? If so, he's got a coaching program called Alpha Coaching Experience that you might need to look at. This 12-week coaching program includes weekly group calls, one-on-one coaching sessions, plus a library full of self-coaching tools. It's one coaching program for doctors, coaching doctors. So you might want to look into reducing your burnout, improving your satisfaction in life, and creating a life that you love and desire. So don't wait. Spring enrollment is happening now. You can find out more about Alpha Coaching and know that the doors close February 22nd by going to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash alpha. Again, that's drpodcastnetwork.com backslash alpha. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, my fellow masterminder, Angela Masinic. It's great to have you here today, girl. Hey, Erin. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. Yeah, we occasionally get some other alpha females who come into the space, <laughs> and I'm so excited to invite you here today to talk about your topic. But before we do that, tell all the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic that you're putting into the world. Thank you. So I am a life coach and I help women stop over drinking and I have a coaching program. I have a podcast. It's called Stop Over Drinking and Start Living as well. So I'm a fellow podcaster. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably like podcasts. (laughs) So come on, it's on all the players. You can find me there. But I've been in practice. I'm going on my third year in business. I was somebody that struggled with over drinking and being overweight my entire adult life. The overweight thing in the diet culture started when I was eight years old. So it's a struggle that I have very dear to my heart and I've overcome it finally through coaching. And I'm just super passionate about helping women break through some of those barriers that they've had and learn how to make these changes that they want to make with alcohol and food, a more permanent structure in their lives and improving their lives along the way. Yeah. And I loved your message. So we got in the same mastermind group together because I firmly believe in, in order to help other people, I myself have to have my cup filled. And so we are in Susan Hyatt's The Mastermind for 2021 together. And the first time that I heard you say, I help people define their relationship with alcohol, I should you not, it was like full body tingles. Mm. Because so many of the people that come and coach with me you know, they want help with burnout and transitions, but a lot of time it brings up other issues that they're dealing with. So suicidal thoughts come up, wanting to divorce their spouse. And the other big one is like alcohol and things that we use to like numb and mitigate the hurt in our lives. And so after I heard that and just getting to know you so much more and that you are 100% my people, I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about that because I think 
So many times as physicians, we quote unquote know the right answers and we tell our patients, you know, no more than two drinks a night. If you're a woman, you shouldn't have more than seven in a week, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to like the practical application of it, we don't always navigate that as well. Yeah, I think that's too. That's sort of like what I want to tell everybody. It's not so much about finding the perfect combination of how many drinks per day or on the weekend or taking a break or quitting or moderating. It's more about understanding why you're drinking in the first place. And I think that physicians, especially because they're first line to people's health, typically, you know, helping them navigate and asking questions if they have time. I also know that's kind of an obstacle too when you're seeing patients, but understanding why they're drinking in the first place, asking good questions about why do you think you're drinking? Instead of saying, here's a drink plan, here's what you need to do and follow. Of course, we know that people don't behave that way, right? They have all the resources. They know how much alcohol that they should be drinking, right? Like you can go find that information on the internet, but it's like understanding why they're doing it in the first place is the missing piece. So I like to say, it's not about the alcohol. It's about why you're drinking it in the first place. It's not about the alcohol. I love that line. It's so true. So talk a little bit about your journey and the struggle that you had with alcohol and then like the relationship forward with it. Yeah. So basically with alcohol, you know, I started drinking heavily in college and partying on the weekends. You know, I mean, I'm talking like falling over drunk, (laughs) parties, concerts, that kind of thing in college, partying up all night long till three or four in the morning on the weekends. I wouldn't do it during the week that much, but maybe once or twice. And then, you know, when you're young, like you can get up and go to work the next day or get up and go to class. And it doesn't really have like this long lasting effect that you had. The other thing that went along with that though, was eating and binge eating when I overdrink or, you know, ordering pizza at midnight after you've had, you know, lots of beer, whatever, like that whole sort of like crazy college type atmosphere. I don't know if you had that going to college, but it's pretty typical, I think, <laughs> or at least it was with my friends. <laughs> yeah. I had the different experience. I went to a Christian college. So if they even like smelled booze on you, you could lose your scholarship and stuff. So that's another story for another day. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think those habits can definitely start in college. I know many of my clients, they've started drinking earlier because of the stress that they were feeling as young as like in high school, like oh, freshman yeah. year to take the edge off of it. But keep going. Yeah. So like, you know, if and for me, like I experimented a little bit of drinking in high school, but like it was harder to get because you're only a teenager and then you, it's like the transforming like the bottles and hiding the bottles and things like that. So it wasn't as much as it was in college when we had more access to it. But basically after college, you know, I went into pharmaceutical sales and I entertained a lot. I had a big expense account. I traveled, I went to big pharma meetings and it was all very much like a party hard, work hard, play hard environment. And I had more money and, you know, I got into fine wines and fine dining and all the things. And it just, was sort of like this lifestyle, you know, and it was like cool to have really nice wine and a really nice steak while you traveled and, you know, to wine and dine the doctors that we were, you know, trying to have relationships with and stuff. And it just kind of started building from there. And then all along though, the thread was that I was also overweight and I was trying diets and diets and diets along that path. So it was just like, I would go all in on, let's say like a green juice cleanse or a smoothie diet, you know, trying to think this is going to be the thing. I read all about it, research it, obsess over it, go all in. 
you know, eliminate drinking a little bit, you know, do the food thing. And then it would all just kind of creep back up. And I tried every single diet and every time a situation until recently. And, you know, basically, and then when I had three kids myself, went back to work full time for an advertising agency, I then started using alcohol more as an emotional tool to handle the stresses of my life of balancing all of that coming home at the end of a long, stressful day, three little kids back to back, not even in elementary school yet, making dinner, putting them to bed, the same old song and dance. I just felt like I was on fucking hamster wheel. Can I cuss? Oh, hell yes, you can. Okay. (laughs) And I just felt stuck. Like I was stuck in this cycle and it was really difficult to break. Again, I would introduce some diet to try to fix it. And then I found life coaching and life coaching changed my whole life. Like it just... I learned about feelings. I learned about our brains. I learned so much about human behavior through coaching and that we have so much more control over our lives and the dialogue in our lives than I ever thought. I never even knew that I could challenge the way I was thinking. And I always thought my feelings were problems that I needed to buffer with alcohol or food away from. So that's how I got into it. It changed my whole life. I don't drink anymore. I lost 60 pounds and it was so compelling to me that I'm like, this is it. This is what I have to do to help people. So. That's the story. And I love it because for your clients, you know, you can consistently say they reduce their drinking somewhere between like 50 and 80% while they're still going after their dreams rather than like self-deprecating, like going on a calorie restriction diet or like a dry January, you know, as a restrictive measure, but really helping them to say like, no, you have choice in this. And by the way, like you can make more money and you can love your life in addition to that. So talk a little bit about that journey because, you know, that's what I work in as far as like burnout and transition, but I'd love to hear it from the over drinking, overeating standpoint. Yeah. So I think that we're so used to as a society, especially around diet culture or making health changes that it has to be hard. And that you have to follow a plan or a regimen to do that. And like we were talking about earlier, there's so many plans and regimens that you can follow. It's really not about the plan or the regimen. It's about understanding how those actions work, right? So like human beings take action based on how they feel. And our feelings are generated by how we think. So if you don't look at how we're feeling and look at how you're thinking about the buckets of your life, your work, your relationship, your health you know, the big areas of your life, then you aren't going to put the act, the actions aren't going to fall in line, right? So like, if you feel disgusted with yourself, and you feel burnt out, and you feel overwhelmed, and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to go improve my health from that place. You'll go, you'll go after it for a little while, and then you'll burn out on it again, because the energy behind it doesn't feel good, right? So I help my clients get the energy in alignment, their feelings in alignment and their thoughts about doing the work so that it feels good. And then they naturally want to keep doing with it. It doesn't feel hard. It doesn't feel forced. And it feels very loving and supportive of the life that they want to live. Yeah, because willpower is a finite resource. I tell people about that all the time. And even though we can white knuckle and like push through some really hard shit as physicians, eventually that resource will run out. It just does. And I think that's so important that I've seen in my own life that you can only strong arm something for so long before it's like, well, it's that yo-yo effect. It's like you're all tied up and real tight or you're like flailing out of control instead of like, I like to use the pendulum effect of like, you go a little bit far to the right, then you come back to center type of thing rather than yo-yoing. 
Yeah, I agree. It's like the the willpower we use throughout the day is to just get up and get to work in the morning, to get your kids <laughs> out the door, whatever it is you need to do there, you know, to go to the gym. By the time the end of the day rolls around and you for you and managing patients and your clients and things like that, you're doing things you really don't want to do all day long. And that's tapping into that resource of willpower. By the end of the day, when it's time to not drink or it's time to not eat all the chips, <laughs> let's go. you're exhausted from that. And that's why it feels so hard for people is because they're like, I, I just need to fight. I just need to hold on. I should have better willpower. I should be able to fight the urge here. And that is just not the right approach that you want to allow and be and tap into a more loving resource than using that hand clenchy graspy type. Yeah, exactly. So talking to the listener out there, because I know there are people who are listening right now who are like, I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm not happy with my alcohol consumption, or I'm not happy with how I eat. What would you say for them as first steps? I think the first step is just sort of understanding where you are and uncovering why you're drinking. So like, say, you know, it's a Thursday night, and you normally drink on Thursday nights, or even if it's every night, maybe you normally drink a glass of wine or two every night, right? Before you have that glass of wine at night, why don't you just give yourself a little pause there and ask, why do I want this? Am I using this to try to solve something? Those two questions just give you pause and bring your desire for it up to the conscious level. And you will probably say something just because I want to relax. That's probably the first thought that most people has. Like, I just, it's been a long day. I want to relax. I deserve it. Right. I just need a break. It's my only pleasure that I have, especially right now in the pandemic. Right. <laughs> and so that is what you want to listen to. And when you hear that in your head is that that's the why that you want to do that. Then I like to say, okay, you can continue drinking if you want to make a conscious choice, though, that you're doing that to alleviate some emotion, probably of stress or overwhelm or something else that you are currently feeling. Because when you say, I just want to relax, it's because you don't feel relaxed. It's because you feel some other emotion like stress or overwhelm or burnout, anxiety, right? Or boredom. <laughs> but like there's some, and then if that's the answer, okay, what feeling am I currently feeling? You know, that's just getting aware. That's just understanding why you want to do it. That's always the first step. So food, alcohol, scrolling on Facebook, binge watching Netflix, spending money on Amazon, all of those types of behaviors. Those are really good questions. The next step, if you want to take it, is learning how to feel those uncomfortable feelings that you are trying to escape from. Mm -hmm. So that is a skill yeah. that we're not taught how to do. <laughs> And I love that about you because you, you do talk about this so, so often is like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah. and like the uncomfortable, though your brain is screaming at you that it's going to kill you, maim you or otherwise harm you yeah. is not. Yeah. Our emotions. This is one thing I'm writing about in our rooftop challenge that we're doing together in the mastermind is that is the thing that changed my life. When I learned about feelings I never knew about feelings before. I never knew that you could choose to feel or that they weren't a problem. I just knew that there were some feelings I liked and some that I didn't. And if the, I was experiencing the ones that I didn't like, I tried to get away from them, <laughs> you know, through various methods, mostly with food and alcohol. So the idea that you can feel your feelings and process them and they aren't a problem, they're just a different variation of a vibration in your body, freaking freed me of this automatic cycle of numbing 
when I had those uncomfortable emotions. So that is the first thing that I would look at changing, like figure out how you could, you know, get into some resources. I'm sure you can, you know, help your clients do that or probably do, but getting comfortable with all of your feelings and not judging them as good or bad. They're just vibrations and getting comfortable with being with those uncomfortable feelings is the key to freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people that feelings are signposts for unmet needs. Yep. And if we just look at them as like a 50 mile per hour road sign Mm -hmm. rather than something that's like, oh, I got to turn away from that or tear it down, but that it's actually like, hello, this is what's going on. And also, I think it's really important to know, like you said, like knowing your brain and that a feeling typically doesn't last any longer than 90 seconds. So if you can just sit with it, it's not a velociraptor that's going to kill you and tear open your Jurassic Park Jeep. It can become dangerous. So like if you don't actually allow, so like the difference between being with your feelings and what you and I are talking about that 90 second period is when you open yourself and be like, okay, I've noticed this feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. Let me open up and process and breathe through that and allow Mm -hmm. some space for it. Right. Versus I'm saying I'm stressed, identifying the feeling and then doing nothing about it. Right. Carry that with you and you kind of shove it away. I can't deal with this right now. It's, you know, I'm just going to go grab a snack, whatever it is. That's you're aware of your feelings, but then pausing and processing, that's the work, right? Like that's the awareness that's taking the time and the space to do that. And then you, and then it's processed and it leaves you, right? Mm -hmm. Or not sometimes, but being willing to be with that and process that is the ticket. And yeah, they're just like, and what you really want, I love when Susan did this with us is what is that feeling trying to tell you? What is the message that it's trying to deliver to you? So if you're overwhelmed or or burnt out, like you want to listen to those feelings are trying to tell you something. There's a communication there that you're missing when you do go to the food or the alcohol or the escaping that you need to hear. And then if you do numb or escape from that way, your feelings just come back twofold on the other end, because the next day, not only did you not address the overwhelm or the burnout, that's still there. Didn't go away. You just numbed it. <laughs> but now you have the guilt and the frustration of you doing something that you didn't want to do and the tiredness that comes along with it and the chatter in your brain about why can't I not drink or whatever it is. So it becomes a bigger issue. Yeah. And it just keeps piling and piling and piling. I call it the monster in the closet. And it starts off with this little thing. But eventually, it's just a ginormous breaking down the door until it gets your attention. Yeah, yeah. And usually that attention is a manifestation into some other problem. Oh, 100%. Usually it's a, honestly, most of the time it's something physical that drops you on your ass so that you will pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's how it's manifested in my life. And then the people I work with as well is like, you go, you can only hide it for so long before it will physically drop you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it comes up in being like accident prone. Like for me. I would trip a lot and fall because I would like be rushing through things all the time and like ang- anxiously driven to do all the things I needed to do. And I would have a lot of accidents and I have a lot less accidents now when I slow down and process and feel and not escape or not numb. And that's the way it showed up for me. And then of course the weight, you know what I mean? Like that is a manifestation of emotional shit that hasn't been processed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, Excess weight is a good sign of another issue that's now created when you don't process your feelings or bring them to the surface. Absolutely. So if people are super resonating with your message, where are some good places that they can come hang out with you? 
probably the most consistent way to hang out with me is on my podcast. It's Stop Over Drinking and Start Living. I do a great weekly email. So if you want to sign up to get my weekly emails, you can just visit my website, AngelaMasenic.com and sign up to get my top three podcast downloads. And then I'm on Facebook um, and Instagram. And I'm also on Clubhouse. Yeah, you're doing the Clubhouse thing. Yeah. So the handle at Clubhouse is at Angela Masenic. And um, I was just on there today talking about entrepreneurship and I'm going to be on there talking about weight loss on Friday at 8.30 Eastern. So, yeah, I'll be popping around there. Follow me and you'll get the notifications of when I'm live. Absolutely. And we'll put all of that stuff in the show notes. Well, friend, thanks so much for coming on Dr. Me First and for sharing and for all the mastermind magic that we've had together. I'm excited to see what 2021 turns out for both of us. Me too. Thanks for having me. Every badass woman needs a tribe. After everything we deal with during the work week and in our home life and within ourselves, we all deserve a place to recharge, relax, and talk to people who really get us. The Burnt Out to Badass group is a place where you can show up as yourself. You'll get encouragement and coaching on your unique situation and an occasional kick in the butt to get you unstuck as well. We are beating burnout together. This is the third cohort. It's starting February 21st. And if you have been thinking about it, now is the time to act. Check the show notes for the link, get your booty signed up and hold on because it is going to be a wild ride to move you from a place of burnout, desperation and despair into a life and practice that you absolutely fucking love. Yes, you got to get over there and check out Stop Over Drinking and Start Living, Angela's podcast. It's phenomenal. I love when she talks about that you can have any relationship that you want with alcohol. Because, you know, as a primary care physician, I know the guidelines. I know when it's problematic drinking and all that sort of thing. And I think sometimes we, like, try to, like, tease the line (laughs) when, in reality, we can choose. We can 100 percent choose. So Angela, thank you so much for being in the mastermind with me. Thank you for all the fun and shenanigans that we have. And thank you for coming and talking. I highly recommend Angela if this is something that spoke to you. I know so many of my friends of our colleagues, we use alcohol as a coping mechanism. And I think it's really important to define how we want to interact with alcohol. So thanks again, friend. All right, let's get into our kick of encouragement today. I have been talking a whole bunch about values. And no, not about value-based care, which you know that's like where everybody's the buzzword right now with everything. (laughs) I'm talking about values as in personal values. And I wrote out this little thing the other day because I was having a little bit of a thought tornado and I needed to remind myself. So here it is. My value is not based on my income. My value is not based on the amount of debt that I have. My value is not based on the amount of debt that I've paid off. My value is not based on my productivity. My value is not based on my retirement account. 
My value is not based on what I do on a daily basis. My value is not based on my kids' behavior. And also, my value is not based on the number of podcast downloads that I get. (laughs) I was really getting in my head the other day because... It's so easy to use extrinsic values and external validation to kind of like fluff ourselves up and remind ourselves like how big and important we are. But it's really the hard work of reminding yourself that you are inherently valuable no matter you go to an office, you do skull-based surgery, or if you just sit around on the couch all day. And so I'm going to get a little philosophical with you and like jump into some like human ethics And go with me because I always love those classes in college and med school. So when we talk about human life, we can talk about it from two different places of value. We can talk about it from intrinsic value, which is like valuable in and of itself. It's valued by someone for its own sake or instrumental value, which is value based on being used to some end. And so I love how this is put because so much of my life, I think I've based it on instrumental value, like how I can use this. What is it based off of? I mean, money is a huge example of this. Like, what can you buy with a $20 bill? That is the value of something, right? When we look at human life and we look at the extent of our own lives, however, if we only used instrumental value, then the person who doesn't contribute to society, who you know, is seen as like a burden would have lesser value than someone else who is a contributor to society, who is highly educated, who is a philanthropist. And so this is, of course, a philosophical and ethical dilemma that I recently posted with my coaching clients when I said, you know, it's kind of like the question of like, you're in a boat that's sinking with a dentist, a chef, and a dog walker. Who do you save, right? And inherently, you would want to go with the person with the most value. But if we're really leaning into that all people have intrinsic value, then we're all valuable in the same amount. So another place that value has showed up in my life recently is that we are thinking about getting our house refinanced. Like interest rates are really low right now. We didn't do it a couple of years ago. And so, you know, we're eligible to do it. Well, whenever you have to do that, you have to like get all your numbers together, right? <laughs> Like they want tax returns from the past, like, I don't know, three to five years. They want to know about like all your accounts. They want to see like all of your debts, like everything. It feels like getting naked on the exam table. I hate it. But I was sitting around talking with Mr. Wiseman about that. And he was like, you know, by the numbers, we look really good on paper. And I'm like, well, which numbers are you looking at? Because it doesn't feel so good right now. And it was kind of funny, too, both of us being entrepreneurs, the banks are really squirrely about doing refinances on home, even though we have the numbers in front of us to be like, yeah, this is what we've done. And of course, they like look back at my tax statements from when I was a physician and they're like, oh, like, you know, those are stable numbers, quote unquote, stable numbers compared to what it is now as an entrepreneur. And I just had to sit back and remind myself and be like, no, like, I understand wanting to have metrics by which to make decisions. However, we're still just a good a bet to pay off our mortgage as when I was a full-time employed physician. 
Like the only thing that's really changed about us is our job status. We are still the same valuable, hardworking people who maybe are not walking a traditional path. And so I told Craig, we are pretty much like breaking the bank's equation <laughs> on this. And, and think about it. I mean, that's kind of the trap that we get in as physicians is people are like, oh, you have lots of money. So we're going to lend you lots of money and you can buy a home that's three times your net worth and all the things. But when it comes down to it and leading like a value-based life and a fulfilled life, I think we have to find our value from within. So there you go, my friend. Your value is not based on your income. Your value is not based on your productivity. Your value is not based off your kid's crazy-ass behavior. Your value is your value. And you are so valuable. All right, as a reminder, remember today's sponsor is Alpha Coaching Experience. Act now to claim your spot in spring enrollment as doors close February 22nd. There's no better time than to make a change you know you deserve to be a better partner, a better parent, and a better physician. Head over to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash alpha and get all the details. As always, don't forget your life, your calling, your pulse matters.